the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, actually through this whole weekend, we have been commemorating St. Mary of Egypt. It's sort of a, the beautiful happenstance of this year that no matter what, we'd be commemorating her at some point during this weekend since we always commemorate St. Mary of Egypt on April 1st. But on this day in Great and Holy Lent, we also commemorate her on the Sunday. And during the fifth week on Thursday, we read her life. And we heard of the wonderful events of her life, of her great repentance and of her great salvation and sanctification that uh, was related to us by yet another saint. So today I think it is worthwhile to look at her life. Why does the church place so much importance on knowing the contours of her life? And I think the answer is because her life mirrors that great repentance and the great call that we are all called to fulfill. Yes, from the depths to the heights, St. Mary's life is exemplary, both before her repentance and the great sins that she committed and reveled in, but also in the austerity and the desert that she underwent as her repentance and as her purification. And so in this, the church glorifies and praises and presents her to us as a model, as someone who this is what Christian life looks like. Her life is none other than the way of repentance that all Christians are called to. There is no Christian who has any life as a Christian without repentance as the beating heart within that center. And St. Mary's life is that, a life of repentance. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with her life, let's just take a quick Sparknotes version of her life so that we know and we can begin to see this shape and how we are to move forward as Christians, especially on these the last few weeks before the holy resurrection of our Lord. St. Mary spent the first years of her life and in her young adulthood reveling in sins with others. She spent and enjoyed a life of debauchery for all of her life. And at some point in her life, she sees a great crowd sort of heading, heading toward the docks in Egypt. And so she inquires about what, what's all of the, the hustle and bustle about. And a young man tells her that there is a great pilgrimage of people going to Jerusalem to venerate the holy and life-giving cross that will be brought out during the procession of the Feast of the Elevation of the Cross. And St. Mary is intrigued. She wants to join the great procession, the great pilgrimage, to venerate the cross. But she has not yet really tried to live as a Christian. She has not yet done, done any repentance. She just wants to join the crowd and to see the sight and to give a little bit of reverence. And all along the way, she relates to us that even then, on this pilgrimage to a holy site, she still reveled in her sins and enjoyed dragging others into her sins. 
And when she gets to the doors of the church, finally in Jerusalem, she tries to go through the doorway of the church to get in with the crowd. Other people are sort of funneling into the doorways of the church for the, to venerate the life-giving cross, but she can't. Something invisible has stopped her. She tries multiple times, and each time she can't get through the threshold of the doorway. And in despair, she begins to be pricked by maybe there is something wrong. And she somehow finds herself being pushed over toward the icon of the Mother of God, sitting on, in the porchway of the church there. And before that porchway of the church, she realizes that it is her sins that are preventing her. That this is the call of God, of God whom she, whose cross she is going to venerate, is calling her to change and reform her life. And so there before the icon of the Mother of God with Christ sitting in her lap, she makes a promise to reform her life, that if the Mother of God strengthens her and allows her to enter into the doors of that church to venerate the life-giving cross, she will immediately go out into the deserts there of Judea and spend her life in repentance over her former acts. And so, having made this promise, she goes in to the doors of the church, and by a miracle she is allowed in. She venerates the life-giving cross, exits the church, gives thanks to the Mother of God before that icon there, and immediately makes her way to the desert. And on her way there, she stops at the border of the Jordan River at the church there and receives a baptism, a the Eucharist, and then crosses the Jordan River into the desert and is not heard from for many, many decades. So having received the baptism and the Eucharist, she goes. And the reason we know her story is because a monk in a monastery there has run into her in his wanderings through the desert through Great and Holy Lent, and he relates all of what I have just said in great detail of her life because St. Mary shares it to her as part of her confession. And Saint, while he is conversing with her, he asks her for her prayers. And while she is praying, he looks up and sees that she is elevated above the ground in her prayers. And so we know that she has, in her great holiness, she is being caught up in some measure to heaven. She lives a life within the body that is miraculous. And as he relates more and we get to know more and more of her story, we hear of how she has been provided by God and survived in a miraculous way. She only brought a few loaves of bread with her into the desert, and yet some decades later, she is still there. There is nothing really growing in the desert for her. And she is sustained by God in this, in her great repentance. And so the details of her life we know from St. Sophronius, who is the name of that monk. And they part their ways. And St. Mary tells St. Sophronius, come back in a year to the Jordan River. And there, I would like you to bring me communion. One more, bring me a communion again. And so he listens and brings her communion, and she, as he's waiting at the Jordan River for her to arrive, she is, 
he begins to wonder, the Jordan River is deep. How is she going to cross this? And as he's wondering this and asking God, sort of conversing in his prayer with God, he sees St. Mary across the Jordan. And before he can even call out or ask her, how is she going to get to him? Because there's no boat. She begins to walk on the water across the Jordan River to where St. Sophronius is to have great and holy communion. And so in this, we see that she begins to take on the life of Christ, even the same type of miracles as Christ lived and we see in the Gospels are manifest in Mary's life. And so when they meet St. Sophronius, commune St. Mary, and she yet again walks across the Jordan River and she says to go back to the very spot where they first met the year before that. And so St. Sophronius promises that he will make that journey again out into the desert, the next Lent. And so when he, St. Sophronius comes to the next Lent, he makes that journey again 20 days into the desert to the same spot. And there he finds the Holy Mary's body lying on the floor and with a note scratched into the dirt there that here is the body of Mary who has reposed on this date. And it was that great and holy day that they first met, or they met on the Jordan the year before. And there she asks, scratching in the dirt, for her body to be buried. And so St. Sophronius knows this miracle, that her body was preserved there in the desert for, over, for a year, or perhaps over a year, that she was transported, and her holy soul went up to be with her master in heaven. And St. Sophronius obeys St. Mary and begins to try to bury her, but the dirt is so hard that he can't do it, and a lion comes up to him, and begins to dig the hole, the grave, for St. Mary himself. And so together the lion and St. Sophronius bury that precious body of St. Mary there in the desert, and he journeys back. And to this day we recount this story because of the great act of repentance of St. Mary that brought her to salvation, brought her to be like her God. And so what I want to bring forth in this life this recounting today, is that both in the gospel and the epistle, and in the, in the hymnography of the church that commemorates St. Mary, we have the shape of the life of a Christian that is presented to us. In the gospels, we have James and John coming up to Christ, having, after Christ has just told them that he is about to journey to his crucifixion, and they ask for a special favor. And in the life of St. Mary, we see that she journeys to venerate that same precious and life-giving cross, not knowing what she's really journeying to. And so we all begin our life as Christians, and even the apostles didn't really fully get what it meant to be a Christian, that it begins with the cross, that call that we will partake of the life of our Lord through his cross. And it is the cross that draws us, even if perhaps we're ignorant of how it's drawing us, and that the very cross becomes our life. 
and the doorway of salvation, just like it was to Mary. And like our Lord says to James and John, that the cross, that very drink, that cup which I will drink of, they will drink of. His life will be shared with them through the cross, through the font of holy baptism, and through the body and blood of Christ that they are going to commune from. These three things are both the doorway and what feed the life of repentance for a Christian. St. Mary had communion probably only twice in her life, but it was what sustained her in the desert and what sustained her and brought her at the end of her life to journey and make that final journey to the destination of the kingdom of heaven with her Lord. And so the church, through her hymnography, praises these three things of the life of St. Mary and our Lord through his words to Apostle James and John. Right? And Mark, we heard these words, the cup that I drink, you will drink. With the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but is to, for those for whom it has been prepared. So what we hear today is that it's the blood of Christ as our high priest, as the epistle says, that our conscience is cleansed from dead works to serve the living God. So this is the form and the shape of the life of a Christian. It begins first, as we see in the life of St. Mary, with a self-judgment, a call to repentance of, I am one who has sinned greatly against our Lord. My passions have blocked me, just like it had blocked St. Mary from entering the church, to venerate and give reverence and to praise and worship the holy things of God and God himself. And by this self-judgment in an act of repentance, we begin to see that she is purified of her sin. Indeed, our hymnography says this, Though thy body, which had been defiled by reckless abandon, hindered thee from the vision of the august and holy things thou didst long to see, yet did the consciousness of thy clear perception of the deeds which thou hast done before graciously work a turn in thee for the better. O godly wise, for when thou hast looked from on the pure icon of the blessed mother of God, thou, on passing judgment against thyself from all thy former sins, did freely worship the precious wood. Mary, who art praised of all. So it is that turn of self-judgment and walking in yet another direction, walking away from Mary from the city and all that she knew before and into the desert and trusting, trusting just in her Lord that she began her life of purification. And for her, what form and shape did that take? In some form or shape, it will take shape in our life as Christians. It was the chastity to purify her body. It was a silent asceticism, a silent way of practicing. She had no one to talk to that purified her thoughts. And it was tears of sorrow over her betrayal of the loving Lord that purified her heart. And it's these things that we know that the church is lifting up because in Vespers, we chanted this, Thou didst sever with the sword of abstinence the snares of the soul and the passion of the body, O righteous Mary. And by the silence of asceticism, thou didst choke the sins of thought. But the streams of thy tears, thou didst water the whole wilderness, 
bringing forth for us fruits of repentance. Wherefore, we celebrate thy memory. So you see that these things bring forth precious and life-giving fruit. Just for us, not just for us, but for us to continue and see and to begin to conform our life to Christ. This is why Holy Mary is brought before us so strongly through Great and Holy Lent. At least twice, but almost always three times through Great and Holy Lent. And so when our life is fed from the holy things, from the font, from the Eucharist, from this turn of repentance, then we strive to take the form and shape of the image of God begins to become clear in our life. And indeed, this is what Mary did. She purified her soul to erase the image of passions that were so ingrained in her life from her life before the desert and before trying to venerate the cross. And she replaced those things through this striving with the image of God deeply, as the hymn, as we're about to read and close this homily says, inscribed into her being, the image of God. So again, at Vespers, this is what we praise her for. Dwelling in the wilderness, thou didst religiously blot out from thy soul the images of thy passions. And with all virtues and travails, didst inscribe in thy soul that most God-like image. This is our goal as Christians, that we turn from those things that block us and that the image of God become clear and deeply visible in our life. So that when we look, someone looks at us, just like we can look to St. Mary and see Christ formed and shaped in them, that someone else can look at us and see Christ informed and shaped in us. This is what Great and Holy Lent is striving and giving to us as we apply ourselves through this life to our degree. So may God strengthen us in these last weeks of Great and Holy Lent just on the doors of Holy Week. May we praise and glorify our Lord as we journey with him to Golgotha, to the site of his crucifixion, to be with him and to not separate ourselves from him in our life. And may his image shine within our hearts. Amen.